Okay, so when I read the Word of God, when I get into it, the thing I look at for myself and the thing that we look at as leadership and living hope is, as I approach Scripture, what did I learn about God? That's one of the first questions I want to ask myself as I go through and unpack Scripture. Because a lot of times we get caught up in reading the Bible and it's, we read it just to be reading it because why? We're told we need to read the Bible. But if that's all you're doing, you're not getting what you need to get out of it. So I pray and I ask the Holy Spirit, lead me and guide me through what you want me to know from God's Word. Help me to understand, by the time I get done reading this, help me to understand more about who God is. And then help me to see myself in the light of that scripture that I just read. How does it apply to my life? What do I need to change? Am I living the heart of God? And then ultimately then, how does that scripture play out in in my day-to-day life and what I do and how I live it out? And so I want to share with you guys some scriptures that have been pivotal in my life in the way I look at the world around me. And then also in the life of Living Hope Church, because anybody tell us what our, our... vision statement is here or what our values are, but it's glory to God and hope to people. Yeah. And we want to bring hope to a world that so much of what they look at is hopeless. So much of what they're struggling with day in and day out, they're like, why am I here? Why do I even exist? What is, what is my purpose? And, and there's just this hopelessness. And so I want to go through some of these scriptures this morning. I'm going to go through about four passages of scripture because um, it's better when the Bible speaks and I don't. Then we can talk about the heart of God and what did we learn about that. And then we're going to have some really cool stuff happen in just a little bit here in the service. But the first scripture I want to look at is out of the book of Matthew. And it's chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. <clears throat> Bear with me as I read through this. This is Jesus talking, and it comes right after some parables that he shared. And we just finished going through some parables with Jeff on the Upside Down Kingdom. And what is a parable? A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so it was things that Jesus was using examples to explain what the kingdom looked like, what the will of God was, and those types of things, and he would put it in stories that people could understand. What we've got here in Matthew is now Jesus is explaining through another story about what's going to happen in the final judgment when he comes back. And he says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on the glorious throne, all the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. And you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or in need of clothes, and clothe you? And the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did, To one of the least of these, brothers and sisters, you have done it unto me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't look after me. They will also answer him, Lord, 
When did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or in need of clothing or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will reply to them, truly I tell you, whatever you did to the least of these, you did to me, or you did not do for me. Then they will go away into the eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. What are we starting to see about the heart of God? Are you picking up on anything here? What's he passionate about? He's passionate about reaching those who are the least of these, those who don't have, those who are suffering injustice, those who the rest of the world would kind of cast aside. Let's look on a little farther here. James, the brother of Jesus, tells us in the book that he or in the letter that he wrote that true religion is this, that you would look after widows and orphans. In Isaiah chapter 1, verses 13 through 17, the prophet Isaiah is talking, and he's just been going down through this thing that God has laid on his heart to share with the nation of Israel, and he is just blasting them because of the way they've put things out of priority, and what they've done is they've started having like these religious gatherings, these celebrations, these parties, they're, you know, bringing these offerings to God, and he's like, Basically, this is the Phil Lockwood paraphrase of it. You're not getting what I'm telling you to do. What you're bringing me is garbage. I don't want this. I don't want your sacrifices. I don't want these celebrations. I don't want these parties in my name. I don't want these things happening in my name. What I want from you is to learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, and plead the case of the widow. And then in Luke, one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible we see Jesus as he's getting challenged by one of the teachers of the law in that day. And he says, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and all your strength. And the second is like it, meaning very similar to, with the same almost power as, love your neighbor as yourself. So who's our neighbor? He goes on to unpack that and explain it. What do we call somebody that's a good person that helps out? A good Samaritan, yeah. This is where that term comes from. It's this story. Jesus goes on to unpack what it looks like to be somebody who loves their neighbor, somebody who cares about and gets what this is because this ruler wanted to justify himself. So he's like, who is my neighbor? And Jesus basically tells this story of this Samaritan. And who was a Samaritan? Samaritan in that day was somebody who, by the religious elite, in that part of the country, the Samaritans were the outcasts. They were a second or third class citizen. They were somebody that was less than, somebody that you wouldn't expect that from. And we see this guy on the side of the road who's been beaten and robbed and everything else. This, and a priest walks by, these religious people, these people who are like, yeah, this is, this is what it's all about to follow God. See, I'm a good person and this and that. And he sees this guy who's been beaten and robbed and he walks over the other side of the road and goes past. And then another leader walks by and same thing. And finally, this Samaritan who's considered this outcast person comes by and sees the guy on the side of the road and goes, wow, I got to help this guy. He's my neighbor. doesn't say that in scripture, but that's what he's getting at. He's my neighbor. And he sees this guy and he takes time out of his busy day He's obviously going someplace. He's riding on a mule or a donkey, and he's got this donkey, and he's riding it, and he's going someplace to do some kind of business or trade or traveling somewhere, and yet he stops, breaks into his day, and takes the time to go, this person has needs, and I have the ability to meet them. He puts oil on him. He starts doctoring his wounds. He walks. He puts the guy up on his donkey, and he takes him to an inn, and he goes into the innkeeper gets him a room, and tells the innkeeper, okay, I have to go and take care of the business basically I started to do, but I want you to give him whatever he needs, 
work with him through whatever he needs. And when I come back, I'll pay you back for whatever it costs you. So what we're seeing about the heart of God, and one of the things I love about this church is that we get that our neighbors are those people around us, those people that we need to be in the lives because there's a lot of hurting people around Dixon. And there's a lot of needs that need to be met. And we get that. And you guys, part of my job as discipleship pastors to integrate our church into the community and find those places where we can help others and stuff. And, and so part of what comes in when the offerings come in is to give me the time and an income so I can support my family, but also go out and be in our community on a daily basis, being involved, trying to find out where are the least of these? Where are those ones that God is saying, this is my heart, but you go after those people, that you meet their needs, that you share my love with them. Where does that happen at? And so I want to thank you guys personally for making that possible for me uh, to be able to do that. I go to bed all the time going, who am I, God, that you would allow me to do what I'm getting to do? But one of the things that we did about three years ago as a church, trying to follow through these purposes of looking at what God is passionate about and the injustices that take place, was we came alongside, we thought as a leadership, let's, let's look at where we see an injustice in our community. And the injustice was happening at Main Prairie School, Main Prairie High School. And so we as a church decided to adopt Main Prairie. And in that, didn't really know what we were getting into initially. Um, but we knew that this was a place where kids were disenfranchised because how many people know, have heard of Main Prairie before? Yeah. Okay. Hands down. Another question. Be honest about this. How many people have heard of Main Prairie in a negative light? Yeah, exactly. And so what I'm super excited about this morning is I want to debunk some of the myths about Main Prairie. I want to let you guys know who Main Prairie is, what they're about. And also, on the same Main Prairie campus, right next to it, is what they call the Community Day School, which is under the same administration but a separate entity. And so this morning, I'm really excited that we have Yvette Ramos, who's the principal of Main Prairie School here with us. She's going to come up along with Olivia Waddell, who's the teacher at the Community Day School, and Felix Lopez, who's the classroom assistant at the Community Day School, and also Felix, go ahead and come on up. And also Felix is the... what is it? Classified Employee of the Year for, for Solano, yeah, for, or for Dixon Unified School District. So if you saw the newspaper, it was Nick Jeremani was like this with his arm around him. Yeah, so that's Mr. Lopez. And then I also am going to ask David Taylor to come up, because David has also been a mentor with me. And also David and I both serve on the School Attendance Review Board for Dixon Unified, um, which is another great place for us to be able to see what's going on with families where kids have poor attendance or there's issues going on. And then we get to meet those families. And one of the agreements for us to be on that School Attendance Review Board was that, that we can then follow up with those families and try and help meet their needs so their kids can do better in school. So as we're getting everybody mic'd up here and ready to go, and then I'm going to need the cordless in a minute. So, um, Mrs. Ramos, why don't you go ahead and share a little bit about what Main Prairie is, what it isn't, what's on your heart about it? Can we bring that mic on? Thank you. The first thing I want to do is thank Living Hope Church for the support you've provided to our site, our staff, our students. It's been invaluable. I think... I think She's got that mic again, Rob. I think I'm okay. Here, take this one for right now. 
Main Prairie High School is the district's continuation high school. We serve students age 16 and up who need to finish high school and graduate with a diploma. We do offer students curriculum that meets or exceeds the Dixon Unified School District graduation requirements. The difference between a continuation high school and a comprehensive high school is not the, what the kids are learning. It is that we meet the minimum graduation standards. So our kids move on to a community college, a post-secondary vo post vocational school, trade school, or military, go into the world of work. Um, the community day school I fondly refer to as our by invitation only school. Our students who attend the community day school have been removed from their home school. And our job is to give them the tools they need to be successful in a classroom. Ms. Waddell. Good morning. Thanks for having us. Um, as Ms. Ramos said, it is uh, invite only. Um, my students are placed in my classroom, oftentimes for behavior issues. Um, my students have a unique sense of challenges. They uh, come to my classroom oftentimes with um, a distorted viewpoint of what education looks like, what teachers look like, what mentors look like, what um, friends look like, um, positive relationships, um, the ability to um, function in society properly. My students um, have seen some things that most students will never see. They've experienced things that most students will never go through and should never go through. And they come to my class oftentimes firsthand knowing the effects of uh, mental illness, addiction, socioeconomic difficulties. Um, they oftentimes come from single-family households, parents who work so much, um, taking on roles like raising siblings um, when they're too young to be raising siblings, things like that. Um, and they come to my classroom and we teach them the skills to be able to be successful in the real world. Um, academics are a huge part of our class, but I consider myself an academic teacher, but a life teacher first and foremost. Um, sometimes it's as simple as using manners, please and thank you, um, learning how to speak with people properly, or um, my personal favorite is working with students in the classroom that they once had issues with before, and they're capable of doing that in, in the end. Um, it's with the help of Phil and David and so many people that have volunteered for our class that make things possible. Um, and Martine, um, along with my team, uh, Ms. Ramos and Mr. Lopez. Without them, we wouldn't be able to do the things that we do in the classroom with the, um, the students that we have in order for them to be successful. Mr. Lopez, do you want to add anything? Um, good morning, everyone. Glad. Uh, Glad you're all here. Um, the perception of Maine Prairie, Ms. Uh, Ramos has been diligently, tirelessly uh, working hard to change and it's improved. And this year um, we got the accreditation for six years, I believe, um, accredited as a high school you know, diploma um, that you can graduate from there. Although from the day school you cannot graduate, so we want you to move on when, when you are part of our class. 
uh, or return to your uh, normal high school, Main Prairie, or wherever your home school is. Other than that, and I want to thank Mr. Lockwood, David, and Martine for coming in and being part of it. Um, they've been tremendous help with the students and us helping us out. Mr. Taylor. Yes, I've, um, I've had the pleasure of um, going to Main Prairie and uh, the day school now for, uh, for this year. And it's been a real privilege and an honor to go there. Um, the kids there are, are not the kids that I, I've normally had the uh, pleasure of being associated with. I retired from the military about 10 years ago. And ever since then, I tried to stay plugged into the school, mainly my kids' school, one way or another. Um, the kids here at the, at the day school, they um, have challenges that the kids that I normally work with just do not have. Um, what these kids need, I, my personal feeling, what they need most of all, is just someone to be there beside them, someone that they can eventually trust into, someone that can help them and just lead them um, in, in life issues. Um, it's been, a, like I said, it's been a privilege to do that this year. And watching the love and the, um, the expertise that the uh, ladies and the gentlemen up here have for the kids that they deal with daily, it, it's amazing. These kids do not want help. They, they really don't want them um, to be helping them as much as um, you would think they would. Um, they've been, I, I assume they've been hurt. Uh, their trusts have been betrayed several times. So they're basically, they're just locked up. Um, so to, to watch them just break that hard shell that these kids have built around them and pour into them and just watch the kids receive this love and respond to it is amazing. And it's been a privilege. Thank you. Can you, yeah, Mr. Lopez, go ahead. Um, I just want to mention that earlier uh, this morning on the previous service, um, I was, um, it warmed my heart to see parents uh, of previous students uh, in day school and Main Prairie. And in this service, uh, there's a couple of ex-students, um, and I'm so happy to see them and that they're doing well. And um, if you want to stand up, Marcus and uh, Isaiah, uh, we love you guys. Thank you. Share a little bit uh, for us about what it means to, you know, have mentors in the, in, on the ground. So share, I mean, uh, what, it, what it means to have mentors on the ground or people helping at the school. Mentors get to work with our kids on a much more relaxed relationship in that they're not nagging them about getting their schoolwork done. They're not nagging them about, well, where were you yesterday? Why did you leave early today? Um, they get to provide just unconditional love. And, and it's amazing to see the transformation in students when they have an adult who is there just to help and will listen without judgment and give them the skills they need to move forward, whether it be academically, socially. Yeah. Olivia, how do you, you know, um, just share a little bit about kind of the end of the year responses. Um, I had the pleasure of having uh, Phil and David in my classroom quite a bit, and they offer something to my students that sometimes myself or Mr. Lopez cannot provide them. And each student's different in that sense, but they also offer something for the two of us, and that's the ability to, to attend to our students individually when they need us 
during the five and a half hours that they're with us. Having them be able to help a student with a question that they have gives me the opportunity to step outside and deal with a student who's going through some serious struggles. I'm able to take my time and speak with them. So that's what mentors provide for both of us. Um, and an example of this would be at the end of the school year, I gave my students a survey, um, a simple survey asking questions that vary from what could your teacher do for you in the next year? What would you, um, if you could start all over, what would one piece of advice you'd give yourself? Um, who was the person who impacted you or influenced you the most in this classroom? And I got a variety of responses. Um, however, two students in particular responded, uh, one with David, uh, thanking him for helping him with all of his work and answering his questions. And the other one was Phil for just being an overall nice guy. Hmm. And those two students in particular were students who, um, like David had said, did not want help. We're going to, quote, do them, however, whatever that means. Um, and they weren't looking for a mentor. They weren't looking for someone to advise them. Um, but those barriers and those walls were broken down over time, and that's because they were just there. Every day they were there, whether um, it was to talk about something simple or goof around or whether that was to help out. It impacted these kids enough to write that to me at the end of the school year and to share those impacts that were made to them individually, which speaks volumes as to what these two do for us, even just in a short amount of time for many of these students. It, um, it's a huge example of why mentors and people who care about the students in this community um, need. And it also goes to debunk the types of students that we have in our classroom. We don't have students who um, are troublemakers, who are heartless, who are going to just do them. We have students who are um, lost, but you can see the changes and the um, influences that they're capable of receiving. Yeah, and it's and just start thinking about questions you might have because in just a few minutes here, um, I'm going to put the mic in the audience and you guys can ask the questions that you want to ask regarding Main Prairie and the Community Day School and what it is. You know, again, these are two separate schools. The kids who are kind of the toughest behavior issues end up at the community day school. Um, and it's an amazing place where these two um, do mind-blowing work with those kids. Um, I've watched transformation take place in the life of some of the toughest, what we would call the toughest 1% in the Dixon Unified School District, um, where they're now, you know, when they would walk into class, they were sagging their pants, hands down the front of their pants, total disrespect, you know, telling people F off, I don't need to talk to you, you know, and stuff. And now if they happen to drop a bad word, they're like, oh, I'm sorry. Um, and they say a different word. I mean, this is the work that these people have done, especially Miss Waddell is just had this amazing thing. And Mr. Lopez, they just have this rapport with the kids. And it's, it's, it's an incredible environment to where as we're getting ready to go into summer break, there were kids that were stressing because of the fact that they don't have that kind of structure. They don't have that kind of love. They don't have that kind of 
compassion that they get at the community day school. And so we're trying to build a structure to meet the needs of some of those kids while they're on break. But it's just, it's amazing to watch the respect level, you know, and it's some of the kids that we work with at the Alpha Project too. And so I just, my hat's off to these people and what they do. And this isn't about us or anything. It's about, you know, I mean, you guys have heard my story, you know, I I don't have great academic credentials. I don't have a lot of stuff, but what I do want to do is I want to give time because trust for these kids is spelled T-I-M-E. It's spending time with them. I've had kids I've walked with on that campus for a couple of years that I did not think I was connecting with. And all of a sudden, a teacher comes up and goes, you need to read this. And it's something about me and the impact I've had on somebody's life by just being there. And I'm like, I, had, I didn't realize I was doing that much with that kid. And it was just, I'm there and I care. And it makes a huge impact on their lives. We've got another kid that we're mentoring right now at Discovery Challenge Academy whose life is just transformed because of time that people are investing in his life and what they're doing down at DCA, which we'll talk about that more in a different time. But um, yeah, I want to get a chance for you guys to ask the questions because I want us as a church to take up the fight within the community of Dixon to change the perception of Main Prairie because I know I was one of those kids that was off the rails when I was in junior high and high school. And a lot of that was me trying to, if you're going to define me this way, then I'm going to outlive that expectation. And I just, and I know that's a mentality that we have to fight through. But a lot of these kids are just like, if you're going to call me that, then I guess that's who I am. And there was so much about my life, clearly into my mid-40s, that was defined by the way people at school and people in the community around saw me. And I had to work through and get through those things and those things that were just um, traumatic at some level in my life. I would cry in my mid-40s over how I had been defined in school because of the fact that I wasn't academic, you know, and so I was acting out. I had hard things going on at times and I would act out behaviorally and what we need is we need somebody in those kids' lives because a lot of these kids are going home to nothing. Like I said, they've got, I'm thinking of one girl in particular who was really emotional over the last few days And she's going home where there's no food in her house. She's going home where it's just a hard situation. Mom's an alcoholic. You know, and I'm not going to get into a whole lot more, but it's just she wants to be there to protect her little sister. These are kids who have huge hearts, and yet these are defined as some of the biggest troublemakers. But you've got to get beyond what they're defined at and look at their situation. So I want to ask, let me have that mic right there. Does anybody have any questions? Also, I'm going to out um, somebody that's here this morning. Um, Melissa Maced is here, and she is the school board president, and she's in the room last service. John Gabby was here, and I'm really excited. Um, we've got an amazing group of people that the more I spend time with them on the school board, I don't care what you've heard about them. They're people that genuinely care about the kids, and they're working towards that. Um, Melissa and I have had conversations and stuff, and it's like, hey, why don't you come check this out and stuff, and she's there. Um, she's walking on the campuses. She's coming to the school attendance review board. She wants to know what's going on with these kids' lives. And so this isn't a campaign speech for Melissa Maceda, but, um, but anyway, yeah, just Melissa, thank you for what you do too. So any questions? I was wondering, do y'all offer any programs during the summertime for when these kids aren't actually dealing with their, are at their family home so that they can have some kind of something to keep them in the right state of mind during the summertime when they're off of school for so long? We do have some summer school programs um, for elementary and secondary students, but it is limited. Our food service 
folks are also providing breakfast and lunch. Breakfast is at the summer school sites and lunch is at the library. And just if I see another hand in the air, I'll move that direction. Okay, Marcus. Now I'm scared. <laughs> I'm Marcus. I've been coming to church here on and off for a long time. Um, I'm 25 years old. I went to this school, and I credit them to a lot in my life. They are great folk, and I'm, I'm glad that y'all came here, and I'm glad that the church is actually here to help them out. I, thank you, guys. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Marcus. Just kind of in response to that last question about is there a summer program for these kids, this is part of why we're wanting to get mentors engaged, because when you're at the school during the school year, you're going to build relationships with these kids, and then that needs to continue on through the summer. It's not a thing where you pop in and out of their lives for a minute because they've had people doing that all their lives. It's stepping in there and getting involved in their lives, and then when school lets out, they've got a safe person to help them get through the summer. And so that's why I really want to hit this this coming year so that we can get around some of these kids and their families because you can change everything you want for a kid, but unless you can help change their environment that they go back to every day, we're not going to make much progress at all. Robin? Hi, Ms. Ramos. Um, my son Austin Day went to Maine Prairie for a while, and I know I sat in the office with him and you a couple of times, and I just really want to thank you for what you did for him. We had a really hard time, and we were struggling really bad for a while. My husband and I had separated, and, and it's like Phil's head. There was hardly any food in the house, and I was working all the time. And I just really want to thank you, because without you guys, I don't know what he would have turned into, but he's married now, and he's doing really well, and they have a child, and... I just really want to thank you for what you've done. You're welcome. And I, and I want to thank you. Every parent sends their best kid to school every day. And you're making me teary, too. So. <laughs> Matt, you're going to make me run all the way over here. Um, just kind of echoing kind of a lot of the theme that I'm hearing. Um, not everyone is in a position to be able to become an on-site counselor or someone who's able to connect with the teen. Um, is, is there infrastructure in place uh, for people in the room that might be able to come alongside a family or um, in any of the issues that are rising up that are common in these families that are hurting? Uh, is, is there a way or is there kind of a vision for a way for families to, to be impacted by other families positively? And I think we're working on that. Yeah, we are. Um, part of that's part of why we're here sitting here this morning. That's part of why they're here this morning um, is to be able to come alongside those families. And for us and other faith communities within Dixon, the faith community of Dixon, to come alongside. You know, um, show me another hand and I'll get the mic over to you. But um, just we've talked about the numbers before. There are hundreds of thousands, millions and millions, up into the billions, I believe, that claim the name of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And if all of us really got what the heart of God is, do you know how many government programs we wouldn't need? Do you know how many families there would be out there that wouldn't be hurting? If we really took what the scripture tells us about the heart of God and lived it out on a daily basis. Oh, if I may, but, um, one of the after-school programs 
the school is not directly involved, but it's the teen center, the Dixon Teen Center, and many of the community members are involved with that, and they have tutors and mentors there, um, and it's done, they're a great service to the community, and um, the students, the, the kids, and the community has to take advantage of that facility and the, what they offer. Um, just my input on that. Yeah, very much so. And if you want to get in touch with the Dixon Teen Center, Jamie used to run it, and then Brian Teeson, Janine's husband, used to be one of the leaders down at the Dixon Teen Center, and the church um, supports the Dixon Teen Center financially, too. So we can get you hooked up and plugged in over there, too. Yeah. So. Like Matt said, I can't just volunteer to be a mentor every day. I really wish I could, but what can I do today? What can I do tomorrow? What can I do? What small things can I do? I know that they need big things. I can't always provide the big things. What can I do? What small things can I do that will help them, that will show them that we care, that will show them some sort of love? What can I do right now to reach out and do something? Well, one thing, um, materialistically, do you travel at all? And you get the little hotel bottles of shampoo and conditioner and mouthwash. We um, have those on hand for kids, and um, we're running a little low on those supplies. But that's a nice thing. That's a little thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those little things. And then you just saw, so we put this up on the screen. If you want to text that number, take a picture of it or whatever, then text that number. And then Jesse and I are going to follow up on getting with everybody who's texted to that number and finding out what's on your heart and how do we work you into helping out at Main Prairie in the day school. That's going to be our primary. If we get an overload, then we'll start moving into other schools in the district where they need help and, and meeting those needs too. Where I saw a hand over, there we go. Um, I've actually been very lucky to be a sub in the school district this year. Um, and the one thing, my question I have is, this is great, and I'm glad we're so grateful for you guys. What about the little guys? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm very emotional about little guys. So, um, Sia Jacobs has a lot of kids who you look at them and you go, they're going to end up right in your, at your doorstep. So what do we do? How do we get them before they get here, you know, what do, is, is there, is there a future for this? Is there, you know, is there expansion for this? Are we, are we going to support the little guys? Are we going to support so that they're not there, you know, and, and we're grateful for you guys. We always will. And there's always going to be a need for you, but how do we not make it so that they're not there? Is, is, is that a, is that something that's going to happen? Yeah, I, I can speak to that a little bit. Um, we're currently working through some stuff with the school district. Actually, Mike, I'm not carrying it around. Um, I actually sat down with uh, Nick Jeremani and Julie Kehoe, who's the director of Julie. What's her official title? What? Director of Special Education and People Services. Okay, and we sat down and kind of talked through a program um, that. A good friend of mine who works with us, you guys have heard me talk about the Alpha Project that we do out at the prison, and we take kids from here out there and set up mentors and that kind of thing. Dr. Yusuf Almanawi, he's a clinical psychologist. We met with them and have proposed an idea that we're looking at coming alongside the district, not as necessarily a part of the school, but where 
the administrators on each site can look at kind of their toughest one or two percent that are on the campus. And we can then step in with those kids and their families because we got to change that environment that they're going back to. And so we're looking at trying to write this out and make it up and get a pilot set up, but we're also going to need mentors within that program coming up um, where we can reach into that. And so I, Todd Dierkin, you know, the vice principal over at uh, CA goes here to our church. He's, he's one of the people that attends here. And then I've been talking to Dan Bledsoe, the principal over there, um, and just kind of working through what can we do. I mean, that's the faith-based community has got to really step in. Far too long we've been those people that come in and go, we've got something you need, and this is what you need and everything. And the approach that we need to have is come in and go, what do you need from us? Where are you guys, where are the hurting people within your people to turn to? Because the crossroads in society used to be church. But now it's the schools. And that's where if we're going to find the people that are hurting and the people that need help, it's at the schools. And that's where it takes place at. Does that help with your question? Okay. Well, all I want to say is having worked at Main Prairie many years ago, that it's a wonderful school and that they are very hardworking people because I know the challenges that they faced. So I just want to compliment them. Thank you, Mr. Thank you. We miss you, Sue. <laughs> microphone for just a second but one thing as I as I heard you you asked that question and I'm really grateful for all these people and I love our kids and you've I've gotten emotional at even a board meeting so I'm sorry I'm kind of attached to them but we all know kids we all know kids in this community and we all can touch someone's life. And having uh, teenagers um, in my own home, they don't want to listen to their parents. They need someone else. Um, as much as we love our kids and we try to teach them, sometimes when we, when we tell them things, even from the kids from the best of families, um, they don't want to hear from their parents. So my challenge would be, you know, as we're trying to look for other ways, is to reach out to the kids that you know and show that you care for them and show that you're there for them. I had an experience um, when I joined Phil on the, on the SARP committee um, just for a day that um, there was a kiddo that came in and I heard about her circumstances and I was just mortified. And I wanted to do something to help her. Um, I really did and I had the means that I could. However, I didn't have a relationship established with this kiddo and she didn't want my help. I mean, even asking Phil, okay, ask her if I could you know, bring her a lunch at school. You know, those are all things that I do for my kids. My kid calls me all the time. I, I forgot my lunch, and I run over and can take their lunch to them. You know, there are these kids that something as small like that, they don't have those, those opportunities. And so my, that, that experience taught me that I need to do better about establishing a relationship with these kids so they feel trusted. So you, so you feel trusted um, so they'll want your help because they, they, can't, they don't trust you, they don't know you, they've had experiences in their lives where people have broken you know, their trust as a child. And so it's important for us to build that, but also to, to reach out to those kids who you, who you do know in the community and start there. Thanks, Melissa. Do you guys have anything you wanna say and wrap up? And, and to that and the relationships, I think that's what 
all three of us, including our mentors, um, do on a day-to-day -day basis is, is build those relationships. And, um, and it can be hard, and I know we sit up here sometimes and we talk about the fact that some of our students, we have reputations and, and this and that. However, our kids are kids. Um, you'll do something and you'll think this kid's a tough kid um, who's involved in things that they should not be at that age, and they do something and you look at them and you're like, wow, he or she is looking like a five-year-old. They're just needing those basic things. Um, and to those that have shared and have had personal experiences with Main Prairie or day school, I'd like to thank you guys. I, I don't know you. However, what your experiences are and what you've shared is inspiring to me um, because I go through it on a day-to-day -day basis with my, with my students, and it can be a daunting task. Um, adjusting to each of the students as it's a revolving door, they come and go as it's needed or necessary. Um, and it can be challenging, and I've lost some students to poor choices, and I take that really personally. And that affects me more than people understand because those kids are important to me. And so seeing some of the students who, who have come out on the other end, and sometimes through some tough situations to get to that other end, is um, inspiring to know that what we're doing, um, though right at this moment it might not look important, it is important. And so thank you guys for that, and thank you for the people who are willing to share and do whatever you can, whether it's bringing the soaps or spending the time or um, even changing, help, helping to change the reputation if you hear something about our students. Um, those are the things we appreciate. Thanks. Um, can I get a round of applause for Martine, everybody up here, and Melissa for the job they do. Josh Shipp, who is a kid who came out of the foster care system and then went on to become a behavioral specialist with kids, they, some people refer to him as the kid whisperer, pretty amazing. If you want to go online and watch some of his stuff, it's, it's really, really amazing. But he was this kid that went through the foster care system trying to kind of get kicked out because he didn't want a relationship. And he would go to home after home and, and become enough of a behavior issue that he kept getting kicked out of each house, you know. And... He finally runs into this one house. He's sitting, he tells the story, sitting in this van waiting for his new foster family. They pulled up in front of the house, and he looks up there, and they, they show this picture of this guy, Rodney, who was going to be his new foster dad. And Rodney's standing sideways, and he's got this rather big belly on him and stuff. And Josh describes him as looking like an upside down, or like a bee, like a lowercase bee, you know, as he's looking at the guy from the side. And, and so you can tell what kind of kid this is. He's going to pick at this guy. And he gets into this house, and over and over again, Josh is trying to get booted out, and Rodney and his wife are not giving up on this kid. And then finally, Rodney, as, he, as Josh gets older, Rodney finds out that Josh has gotten locked up in jail because of some stuff he was doing while he was driving and things like that. And Josh is thinking, okay, this is it. I'm out of here. You know, this is the, I'm going to get kicked out finally. And once Rodney finally lets him sit for a little while in jail, which... I will tell you that does help change your life a little bit sometimes. So parents, don't be afraid to let your kids sit there for a minute and think about what they've done if they ever end up there. Um, it changed my life. Um, but Rodney gets him out and sits Josh down and says, Josh, what you've got to get through your head is that we don't see you as a problem. We see you as an opportunity. And for all of us here at Living Hope Church, I want us to see Main Prairie and the Community Day School and then the Greater Dixon Unified School District not as a problem because Main Prairie for years has been labeled as the problem place where those kids go, but not as a problem, but as an opportunity, an opportunity to live out the heart of God that I read about earlier.
earlier in in the service. See, a study conducted by the Harvard Center for the Developing Child says, and I quote, and this was done in 2015, every child who winds up doing well has had at least one stable, committed relationship with a supportive adult. See, the difference between success for a lot of these kids is you. It's you. I stole that line from Josh. It was a great line. I wanted to use it. (laughs) But it is. It's us. It's us. And if we raised our hand at some point or just in our heart said, Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. I want to be about what you do. It isn't just coming to church as our insurance policy to get to heaven, but it's about us being the hands and feet, being the disciples. A disciple imitates what he sees his rabbi do. And our rabbi was Jesus Christ. And so our lives are to imitate that of Jesus Christ, we're told in Philippians. And it's a sacrificial life of pouring out so that others might have life and life more abundantly. You getting what I'm saying? Cool. Thank you for being here today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for what it does in our lives. God, I thank you for the people that are sitting behind me on the stage um, and their hearts for kids. Lord, I pray that you would lead and guide us, um, give us wisdom in how to reach these kids and come alongside these families. Father God, that this community might be changed and that Dixon would absolutely be known as a place that, that cares for the least of these. And Father, that we're lifted up, that love ourselves, you know, that, that we'd love others like we love ourselves and that we would want as much for them as we want for ourselves. Lord, lead us and guide us. Help us to be who you've called us to be so that we can then do what you're calling us to do. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.